Praise the Lord. I loved songs and messages and Bible verses that talk about heaven. Amen. I tell people I like them because I'm, I'm going there, and I don't take that wrong. I, I haven't done anything to earn heaven. Nobody ever has. Uh, but uh, I know in whom I have believed, right? And uh, I know that uh, he's promised me eternal life. And isn't it a wonderful thing that, you know, some people actually believe that, you know, you don't really know that you're saved till you die and hopefully wake up in heaven. I'll ask people sometimes, you know, about heaven. They say, well, I hope, you know, I, I, I live a good life. I, you know, I do this, I do that. Uh, but the, Jesus himself said that no one comes unto the Father but by me. And the Bible makes it expressly clear that it's through faith. It's through belief in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross of Calvary that makes one fit for heaven. And what that is, is you're not fit for heaven, but God is. And when you accept his son as your savior, God no longer sees you, but he sees the righteousness, the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ. And he grants you justified. That is free from the penalty of sin. And you get to make heaven your home. Now I said all that to say this, you lay a hold all that on this side of eternity, not the other. Eternal life begins on this side, not the other side. And uh, so I hope and pray that you get saved, amen, if you're not. Uh, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. What a great, uh, what a great uh, time we've had this morning. So take your Bible, turn to the book of Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1, we're going to be in a couple different places in Philippians, but just two verses. Uh, Philippians chapter 1, I want to preach to you on having proper vision. i uh, not talking about eyesight, but, you know, the plan for your life, I uh, Brother Mike was talking about God's timing this morning. It seems like when something's on our mind, uh, God will usually give us something. And to be honest with you, I hadn't really thought about graduation coming up, you know, and we got uh, some that have graduated college and uh, some will be going back next year and our daughter's graduating this year, those types of things. So I got to thinking this morning as I was looking over my notes, this is a good message, uh, even for those that are starting a new chapter in your life. And, and, uh, uh, but we all need vision, Amen. And uh, you say, amen, you know, but I'm not talking about these. I, I'm, I'm talking about uh, your, God's will for your life, amen. By the way, I don't think that vision ever goes away, amen. I don't think we ever get useless for God, by the way. I think God can always use us no matter what we got going on in our life. There's always a place for us. But Philippians chapter 1, if you would, stand with me if you're physically able. Uh, certainly if you're not physically able, I understand that. But in reverence to the Word of God, the reading of the Word of God, that is, Philippians chapter 1 Notice there with me verse 6. Notice uh, chapter 1, verse 6. Uh, notice what Paul says to the Philippian church. Church, by the way, that was heavily persecuted. He says, Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform. That word perform means complete. In other words, he'll finish it. A good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. That is, when we go to be with him in glory. Now hold on to that thought for just a minute and turn to another passage in Philippians chapter 4, chapter 4, verse 13. Uh, a very popular verse of Scripture. Some of us may even have this memorized. But it says here that I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. I can do how many things? Through who? Christ. Amen. Let's read that together, all of us out loud. I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Father, we ask your blessing upon the preaching and reading of the Word of God this morning. Father, I know we all got things going on. I've already shared that I'm a little scatterbrained this morning already. And Father, I just hope that you'll kind of help me to put all those things to the side. And 
Lord, that uh, I'll just focus in on what you would have me to preach. Uh, Father, there's really nothing more important that I have to do than this right now. And uh, so, Father, I pray that you'd speak to hearts. I know sometimes, Lord, we have to tend to children, and sometimes things just happen. But, Father, if we wouldn't go in or out unless absolutely necessary so that we could stay focused in just for a few minutes here, Father, on what you'd have us to hear, and, Father, how we might apply it to our lives, I pray, dear God, that we would be faithful to that. And, Father, again, that you'd have your will and your way in this service. First and foremost, foremost Lord, I pray that you'll be uplifted and glorified by everything that is said and done. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray, amen and amen. All right, you can go ahead and be seated. So we're talking about proper vision. We could say having proper vision. And if you notice there are texts, they have two things in common. I know these probably aren't the texts we might think of vision. We'll be in the book of Proverbs here in just a moment. But they have in reference both of those, if you notice, things concerning future events. In other words, he says, I can do all things, so that means future things. Uh, in other words, things that we haven't got to yet. We also read that Jesus hath begun a good work in you. He'll perform it, that is, he'll complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And so these verses deal with really what we would call success in the future. And that's what we're talking about vision this morning. In other words, uh, what, what is it that, that, that God has for me in the future? Or, or we might just kind of be looking at it in a way that says, you know, what, what do I think I need to be in the future? And I hope to kind of help you with that a little bit. Not, not that you're going to find out exactly what God wants you to do, but how we can find out. And so uh, the first thing is, is, you know, what we say and looking back, you know, I'm, I'm getting pretty long in the tooth. And, and there's been times when I really felt like this was something I needed in my life. And this even goes back before I was saved that I wish this would happen and that would happen. You could say I had a vision, but looking back, not all vision that I had in my life was right. <laughs> you know, it really wasn't something, it wasn't so much that, that I needed these things, but a lot of it was I wanted these things. And, and to be honest with you, I would go about these things in an unbiblical manner, okay? Uh, and often that gets us in trouble. So, so again, not all vision is right. Uh, uh, I think we might even think of goals. I think it's okay to have goals, but, but certainly I think we would all have to agree that not every goal in life may be right for us. Um, and we kind of learn that as we grow a little older. And so again, vision is what you might visualize in, in connection to your future accomplishments. In other words, where you want to be uh, at a certain time in future. Again, goals. And certainly our future is important. Uh, I believe this. It's not that we're all in God's plan, but I believe God does have a plan for all of us. Amen. You're not some cosmic accident, by the way. God puts you on this planet for a purpose. And by the way, it hasn't really anything to do with you, but all about Him. Amen. And, and so, so we're kind of looking at this, and the only way to look at it is certainly through a biblical lens. But I want you to understand that, that God does have plans for you. He has a plan for all of us. And so with that understood, and we, we read there in these verses, it certainly teaches us that, that our life, in other words, the things that we are doing should be authored, that is, controlled, should be led by the Lord God Almighty. Amen? In other words, we need to be in the will of God. And, it, and again, we might think, well, preacher, I'm not, I'm not called into the full-time ministry. That only, that's only for preachers and those that are in full-time ministry. No, that's not true at all. Um, we're not talking about just people who are going into full-time ministry. Uh, it's for all of us here this morning. And if our future is written by God, uh, then, then our life, uh, certainly in the present, 
has to be directed by God now. In other words, what I'm saying is, if I want to be in the will of God later, I need to be in the will of God now. Amen? You know, if I, if I want to take a bus to New York, i got to get on the bus that's going to New York, not Miami. Right? That makes sense, doesn't it? Now, a lot of us don't live our life like that, though. We want an expected end. We would like to see this, but we're not, we're not in the will of God now. I remember one time I was out in North Carolina and I was working on some equipment. Or it might have been West Virginia. Anyway, I got way back in the... I had no idea where I was at. I was out in the sticks. And I pulled over at this place. I don't know what it was. It looked like a garage. I think maybe they worked on something. But uh, I walked in there and, and uh, this good old boy, and I told him where I was wanting to go, and he kind of scratched his head, and he said, Well, you can't get there from here. <laughs> now, I never really understood what that meant, <laughs> but, but, but I'm just telling you, folks, we, we, have to, we have to start from the right point, you understand? Hey, listen, if you want God's will in your life later, especially those of us that have family, then we need to be in the will of God now. Amen. Right now. Uh, and so I think that's important to, to understand. And uh, I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Proverbs chapter 29. The book of Proverbs chapter 29. And uh, we'll get to preaching here in just a moment. But Proverbs chapter 29. And this is a verse that we often think of a vision. And although I think a lot of people don't understand what the word vision means a lot here. But uh, Proverbs chapter 29 verse 18. Notice what the Bible says. It says, where there is no vision, the people perish. Now, a lot of times we just read that first part. And we'll talk about, uh, and these things are true. I'm not, I'm not saying these things aren't true. We'll talk about, well, if a, if a church doesn't have a vision, then people aren't going to get saved. And, and certainly that's true. But that's not really the context of the verse. Um, uh, what this is saying is, is and, and again, we, we back this up by the rest of the verse. Let's go ahead and read it. Read it all together. Uh, where there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. Now that word law, we might automatically go you know, to the Ten Commandments, say, okay, we've got to keep the Ten Commandments. But that's not what that's talking about there. He's just simply saying keeping the law in this instance is being biblical with your decision. So now we begin to understand that our vision, our success in life, has everything to do with what the Word of God says. Amen. You know, uh, hey, listen, if, if, if you're wanting to be a part of something or to go do something that the Bible uh, makes clear that is not of God, an abomination even, that's not God's vision for your life, that's your vision for your life. Amen. And, and we won't succeed uh, in life. And so we need to be careful. And so if God is nowhere in your vision or your vision is based on things, as I said, contrary to the Word of God, then you don't really have a vision. And unfortunately, if you continue on in that, it's, it's not going to turn out the way that you'd hope. So again, there, to have proper vision, the, the word vision is certainly has to be connected to the last part of that verse, that is, with God's word, but who keepeth the law, happy is he. You know, um, you guys have heard me say this, heard me preach, how you treat the Bible this morning is how you're treating God. Amen. Um, you can't be spiritual, you can't be godly outside of what the Scripture says. It's a very simple and practical thing. It's easy to understand. And so we have to have proper vision, uh, again, concerning the, the Bible. Our future must be guided by the Bible, what it teaches, 
what the Bible, that is, teaches and shows us in life. And it doesn't matter. You say, well, I'm not in full-time ministry. That's not just for full-time ministry. It's your life. Hey, listen, your life is not your own. It's God's. Amen. Well, I'll do what I want. Well, you can to a certain extent, but you'll stand before God someday. Amen. And so again, hey, listen, uh, you're not your own. You say, well, I, you know, hey, I stand up on my own two feet. No, you don't. If it wasn't for God allowing your heart to beat one more time, you wouldn't be standing here. If God didn't allow you to take air inside your lungs and expel it out, you would not be here. Do you understand what I'm saying? It is God who holds everything in His hands this morning. You're not your own. So this morning, I want to look at some things, again, concerning uh, proper vision, or we might even say having proper vision. So number one, again, we've already hit on this, all vision must be spiritual vision. You know, uh, certainly we need folks in secular careers. I'm glad that if I fell over here with some type of sickness, we could call 911 and somebody hopefully would come and get me and take me to the hospital. So please don't misunderstand me here. But I believe this, that even secular careers should be spirit-led. Amen. We're to do all things through Christ, right? The word all means all things. Um, it's true that most, even, are not called into full-time ministry, but we're always serving God full-time, amen? You know, sometimes people say, well, you know, you serve God full-time. I want to say, well, you should be too. <laughs> we should always be serving God, right? Maybe it's not in the full-time ministry, but you understand what I'm saying, no matter our occupation. We're to be witnesses for Christ, right? Uh, I read this message in Sword of Lord newspaper years ago. It was a sermon on shipwrecking our faith. And uh, now we don't believe you can lose your salvation. But I like the way this preacher said this. He painted a picture of believers as ships. In other words, a believer is a ship, and our cargo is the gospel of Christ. Amen. Think about that for a second. Listen, believer, if you go down, your cargo goes down with you. Hey, listen, when you stop being an effective Christian, that means souls weigh in the balance. Amen. Again, your life's not your own. It's something we need to understand. That's why you need to be in church. You need to be growing in the things of God, living for the Lord. He said, I'll take care of you. You just do that. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Amen. So don't, my point is, is don't leave God out of your future. That's an ungodly vision. Oh, how many stories I could tell. Oh, how many testimonies I could, I could tell you about uh, younger men and women, maybe even their middle age, that said, if I could just go back. And here's what they said. Well, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get my education, I'm going to get my career, and then when I get my family, then I'll plug back into church. Never happens. Never happens. Not only are they out of church, but they raise their children up not knowing God either. They have no interest in church either. Amen. Do you realize, parents, grandparents, that your family is only one generation away of not believing? That breaks my heart. All vision needs to be spiritual vision. If you leave God out of your future, it's an ungodly vision. You know, I know a harp on faithfulness to church but I believe I've said this before and I, I've got kicked back from it and I may get kicked back from it again today I don't know but I, I simply believe this 
All family activities should revolve around the church. You know, Layla's graduation is coming up. We have tons and tons of friends, and many of them, because they're having their graduation on Sunday. I said, Preacher, we'd love to be there, but, you know, I teach Sunday school. I lead the music. I, I do, the, you know, and they you know, we just, we prayed about it, and we just don't feel like God, God wants us there. Amen? I said, amen, brother. Amen. Not only I, but I guarantee Miss Layla wouldn't have it any other way either. You understand what I'm saying, folks? Hey, listen, all vision must include steadfastness and faithfulness to the local New Testament church. Amen and amen. That would revolutionize America in a matter of months, by the way. A vision that takes you away from God's house, I'm just telling you, it's not a spirit-led vision. Amen. Hebrews 10, 25. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another goes on to say, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Hey, listen, Christians are going less and less to church. The Bible says as the day draws closer, we ought to be going more and more to church, not less and less, amen? My Bible says there that they met daily, amen? One of the worst things we can do is have a vision that causes us to be out of church. And I know not every church is the way we see it today. We're two or more gathered in my name, right? So don't, don't misunderstand me here. But I want you to understand that outside of church, you will not grow in the things of God. You'll continue to make ungodly, unbiblical decisions, and you won't, the vision will not turn out the way you want it. God grows us spiritually, and one of the most important ways he does that is through the local New Testament church. So all vision must be spiritual vision. Number two, set aside personal goals. Now, there's nothing wrong with having goals. Uh, you know, I, I have goals, but they're not, you know, they're not on the top of the list. There's things I would like to do. There's things I would like to accomplish. Don't always get to those things. So I'm not saying don't have goals, but be willing to set aside a goal. Uh, goals that are, especially those that might be about you. Now, if you have a, boy, I'd like to climb to the top of Mount Everest someday. Uh, that's okay. You know, that sounds kind of adventurous. Uh, if it wasn't so cold, I might try it. You know, but, 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 but again, I, I, I'm not going to make, that's not going to be my life. Amen? If God ever gave me, well, I shouldn't say that. Well, I guess if he told me to, but I'm not trying to climb Mount Everest, but if that was my goal, I'd say, Lord, you know, if you ever bless me enough and I get the opportunity to do that, I'd really like to do that. But I'm not going to forsake the assembly of myself. I'm not going to get out of the will of God to do it, right? I'm, I'm going to keep on serving you. That's what I mean. And so, again, we have to set aside personal goals. You know, climbing Mount Everest... I, I don't think me climbing Mount Everest would win a lot of people to Christ. You know, you know, I'd love to be the best deer hunter in the country, but probably not going to win too many people to Christ, amen? You know, I'd like to be, but, you know, that's not really a goal that's, you know, eternity doesn't weigh in the balance. I'm not against personal goals, but again, we must be willing to put them down, way down on our priority list, not at the top, as sometimes we have the tendency to do. I said a while ago, God did not create you for you. <laughs> you know, that's hard for us, isn't it? Well, it's my life. No, it's not. God allowed you to be born. God gave you a soul, by the way, at the moment of conception. Amen. Amen. And you belong to him from that time on. Ask yourself, why did God put me here? That's a good question. Why am I here? 
Ask yourself, what does God want me to do with my life? Are your aspirations, your goals, are they hindering you and maybe even others, maybe family? Are they hindering you in spiritual ways? You know? You know, a lot of us that have children, you know, my children are grown, got grandkids now, but, but hey, listen, I'm just trying to tell you, Mom, Dad, that, that it's not just you weighing in the balance here. It's, it's, it's those that you love. Amen. It's important. We can, we can, do you know that you can have a vision this morning that blinds us to the will of God for our lives? Amen. Well, I want to do this and I want to do that. Where's God fit in there? Well, I don't know. I love Jesus. Well, I'm not asking if you love Jesus. I'm saying, where does God fit in in all this? Amen? This means, as that preacher preached so long ago, we'll shipwreck our faith. I'm not talking about losing your salvation, but we won't get the goods delivered. We won't, listen, our, our life will not be what God would have had it been had we been faithful. Don't submit yourself to your personal goals. Submit your life to God's will first. You might be surprised. Hey, listen, you submit your will to God, there'll be other goals that'll pop in. God will bless. Listen, it's not boring to serve Jesus, believe you me. And listen, build your goals around that. I don't believe one person in here should ever think or say, if, if God told me to do that, I wouldn't do it. I've said it before. You know, oh, what I'd do if God called me to this? You know, you guys know me, I'm a country boy. You know, if God called me to plant a church in the Arctic, that'd be a little scary, but I could see myself doing that. But if God said, I want you to plant a church in downtown New York City, I cannot see myself doing that. You understand what I'm saying? But, but I should be willing that if God told me to, that I would do it. Not part of my goal, not part of my vision at all. <laughs> That's a lot of people. But you understand what I'm saying? If God told me to do it, hey, listen, because if I didn't, I wouldn't be happy. Why do missionaries go off and put themselves and their family in what we think harm's way? in some of these countries that are persecuting Christians. Hey, listen, if God told them to be there, they're in the safest place they'll ever be in God's will. Amen. How about you? Praise the Lord. I, I tell you, this is some good stuff. Don't, don't submit your life to personal goals. Submit your life to God's will. Be willing to do whatever God would ask you to do. And do it now. You know, sometimes people say, well, preacher, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Now, sometimes there's, well, I'm going to, I don't like the word progressive, but I'm going to use it here. There is progressive, you know, God will give us progressive revelation, if you will. In other words, I, I'm saying that I, I don't know what all God's will for my life is. I just know I want to be in it and be ready when he tells me to do something. But a lot of times we kind of look at that in a, in a broad way. I don't know what God's will for my life is. You know, and I tell people all the time, yes, you do. We all know what God's will for our life is today, right? It's to glorify Him. That's God's will for your life. Amen. It's God's will for your life to obey His commands. Not to be saved or to stay saved, but because you're saved, you ought to do what He says. That's God's will for your life. Hey, listen, if we want to be faithful in big things for God, we've got to start being faithful in little things first. Amen? Oh, I wish God would call me to do this great, this great thing! But I can't even obey Him in the little things. You understand what I'm saying? 
So we, hey, listen, you, God, God reveals his will. It's in the word. There's all kinds of things we know what to do. We just keep doing those things. And as our faith increases and our fellowship with God grows, then he'll give us more things to do. Turn over to the book of Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. I'm trying to hurry. Now today we'll probably get out on time because, you know, if you guys got something to do, I don't really worry about that. But, but now that I got something to do, I, you might get out early. Amen. I'm, I'm just that way. I'm sorry. I'm the worst Christian I know, I, I tell you. But uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter 7, Matthew chapter 7. Of course, this is a Sermon on the Mount. Always need to keep that in mind when studying these passages. But notice what verse 7 says. Matthew chapter 7, verse 7. Notice what Jesus says. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek, you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be open. Now here's the, the key to all this, if you read all of that. The key to this passage is, is already being in the place of submission. You know, some of us are completely out of the will of God, and here's what we do, we test God like this. Well, if there's really a God, I'm going to ask him to pay my light bill right now. And if he don't pay my light bill, even though I've spent it on drugs and everything else, and living, you know, the wild life. And, you know, if there's a God, he'll pay my light bill. Now, the key to that passage is to be in the will of God already. Amen. You know, th this is where we, we make it so difficult sometimes. I go back to what I said a while ago. If you can't obey him in little things, you're not going to obey him in big things. God's not going to reveal his will for your life until you f first submit your whole life to him. Amen. And I'm not saying we get it right every time. Until you say, okay, God, I'm all yours. Now, I'm not talking about matters of salvation. I'm talking about carnal Christians right now. Christians that are out of the fellowship and will of God. Hey, listen, I want you to understand. Until you say, I'm all yours, I'll do whatever you call me to do. Until you do that, you're going to continue to struggle. You're going to continue to flounder around in life. You're not going to have that vision because you simply won't submit to God and be faithful. Our problem is we have a personal agenda, don't we? You know, hey, I'm there. Hey, listen, we, there's something, a personal agenda that we want to fulfill first. We want to connect it. You know, oh, we try to prop it up with Bible sometimes. You know, we, we have this tendency, us Christians, when we're doing something we know probably isn't really in the will of God, we try to do everything we can to spiritualize it. <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, well, you know, uh, I know I probably, I probably ought not go in that bar but, you know, I could probably win some people to Christ in there. You know, we, we over-spiritualize everything, right? Yeah, I know I need to protect my ear gate and eye gate. And I, I hang around all those people that cuss and carry on. Uh, but, but they need a little light, too. <laughs> Again, the Bible teaches us a lot different, doesn't it? You understand what I'm saying? Hey, listen, we've got to get in the will of God if we want proper vision uh, in our life. And those things are easy to see and, and, should I say, even easy to obey. Our problem is our own personal agenda we want to fulfill first, and then we add God's agenda in later. It never works. You know, I was just thinking about this again. It was amazing the timing of this and thinking about people, you know, kids graduating from high school, college, and those types of things. And you guys know how I feel about work. You know, people ought to work, right? The Bible says if you don't work, you ought not eat. You know, I believe, I believe men ought to work, amen? I, I believe that. I believe that's biblical. And we push our children to leave the nest and, and to go out and find a good job, and that's great. 
But we'll say, you know, just get you a good job, and then if possible, find you a good church. <laughs> Sometimes people say, preacher, I think the Lord's leading me to move here. First thing I usually say, is there a good church out there? No. Well, I figured I'd find one later. I said, you might want to check. You know, now here in Missouri, you can't hardly throw a rock without hitting even a good church. There's some churches that aren't really called churches, but probably no problem. You could move to West Plains and find you a good church. I know of one. <laughs> it's a good one, all right? But you know what I'm saying. But there's some places out there in the world that even in our country, there may not be a Bible-believing church. You know what I say as your pastor? Don't go. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things. That is your light bill. God says, I'll take care of that. You just follow me. Now that's vision. That's the proper vision. And again, I go back to all them stories I've told you. Preacher, if I could go back, I, I would do it differently. You know, I'd rather my child make $10 an hour and have a strong church than to make $30 an hour and have a carnal or weak church. I'm just telling you. Amen. Well, how are they going to make it in the world? God. Amen. I don't want them to make it. I want them to make it for God. God will take care of them, right? Oh, well, it's got it all backwards, don't we? So number two, we must set aside personal goals. I got to hurry. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch on a tender subject here, but bear with me. Let's talk about vision and education. I believe education and what we believe ought to be connected, don't you? Amen. I believe that. I believe the Bible teaches that, again, where we just read, where there is no vision, the people perish, Proverbs 29, 18. This has to be seen connecting spiritual truths to all we do. Psalm 37, 23 says, The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him. How many ways? All thy ways. And he shall direct thy paths. Now again, I'm looking at these verses, and I, don't think, I think it would be unwise to ever disconnect them from our child's education. In other words, education, what we believe and vision, they have to mesh together, not contradict one another. Does that make sense? I mean, do we want to... Have our children hear one thing, thus saith the Lord, and go somewhere else and hear something different or contrary to that? Come on now. We have to be careful with some things. In other words, we have to uh, understand that, you know, we need to understand what's going on in our children's lives, and if they're being taught something that isn't true, say, okay, I know that's what the teacher says, but here's what the Word of God says. Amen. That needs to happen. Um, I believe that a Christian education is foundational. I've got my views on some of that stuff. not going to get into all that today. If you ever want to talk about it, I'll be happy to talk to you about it. But uh, I believe there's a lot of good people in our public uh, education, school education. I love teachers, but I think most of them would even agree it's a broken system. Anything that the federal government has their hands on has a lot of room for error, amen? I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about the system. Um, so, you know, me personally, I've, I've, I, I prefer homeschooling personally, but, 
But my point is, is that we have to bring them up in the admonition of the Lord. That means we have to, they have to have a biblically-based education. Um, I believe when a young man or woman gets out of high school, and again, I'm kind of giving you some personal opinions here, but uh, I think you ought to at least have two years of Bible college. And I say that to be grounded in the faith, amen? In other words, be taught. This is what the Bible says. This is why your preacher preaches what he preaches and why he believes what he believes. Give yourself some time to grow in a, in a protected Christian environment. It's so important to do because we lose so many of our children to the world. And all about you, but it's heartbreaking to see that. Now, we need doctors and we need surgeons and we need law degrees and those types of things. You're not typically going to get that in a Bible college but I just think that first two years of Bible college is going to ground you in the Lord. Because believe you me, young person, if you get out there and you go to some of these more bigger colleges, you know, that's great. I, 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 I can't fault anybody for wanting education. But when that professor or whoever stands up and says something like, you know, evolution, and if you believe what the Bible says, you're, you're a racist. You're, 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 you, know, you, you don't have things right in your life. Uh, if, if, if you think homosexuality is wrong, that abortion is wrong, then you've been taught wrong. I'm just telling you, young person, you pick God over that any day. Hallelujah. That's what I'm talking about. You can't reconcile right and wrong. Amen. And there's been a lot of, I believe they may very well be saved, but the colleges and educational systems have wrecked their faith. The foundation of all education, I say again, must be biblically based. If you do a research on some of the nation's top uh, colleges today, Harvard, Purdue, they all started out as Bible colleges. Our young people's education for the most part, I think we'd all have to agree, is a secular foundation, and it certainly shows in their lives. I'll move on. So number one, all vision must be spiritually, biblically based. Set aside, number two, set aside personal goals. They need to go way down on that list of priorities. Seek God's will first. Number three, a Christian education is foundational and must be connected with vision. And one last thought. You know, we live in a day and age that makes all of this difficult, doesn't it? <laughs> it's hard to lead, live a biblical life, amen? You know, I, I understand, you know, you're, you're wanting to do the right things, you're trying to live for Jesus, and, you know, it just seems like everything is working against us, and oftentimes it is, and, you know, uh, and unfortunately, as I said a while ago, you know, I, I, I kind of go back, my heart goes back to young people, you know, a lot of things that are being allowed into their lives contradicts what this Bible says. You know, technology, it's a double-edged sword, is it not? I'll just be honest with you. I think technology has hurt us more than it's helped us. It's helped us in some areas, but spiritually speaking, it's hurt us way more. And, and, and you know, listen, I'm, I'm concerned about spiritual wellness. You know, much of what we're allowing, you know, you know, internet access, the movies and music that goes through those little precious ear gates and eye gates, that little heart that God has given you stewardship over. If I, if I could just... 
eight-year-old should not be used to the F word. But they are. They hear it everywhere, even from their parents' own mouth. Movies, music, social media, ungodly relationships. And as a pastor, I'll just be honest, it can become very disheartening at times, you know. Uh, see those train wrecks coming. So I, I understand. So this last point may seem a little odd. But because I know that God's still on the throne... Amen. Because I know there's a God in heaven. And because I know that God loves us. And my Bible teaches me a great deal about His mercy and His grace. We must still remain optimistic. And I, I struggle, you, most of you have probably been around me have kind of picked up on my personality traits. You know, I'm, I'm a the glass is half empty type of guy. <laughs> um, and and as I said a while ago, I struggle with what I see in a lot of everybody, but particularly young people's lives. Yet, because of what God saved me out of and the life that I lived before I got saved, I know that no matter who it is, that they are capable, what they're capable of in Christ if they just get the right vision. I don't like all the, the rebellion and disrespect and foul language that I see out of young people today, but I always have to remember that God died for them as much as he died for me. And But by the grace of God, there go I. Amen. Long as there's a God in heaven, there's always hope. Amen. And so we as believers, we need to understand that. And our texts that we've looked at reveal that we can do those things which God has called us to do. Satan's going to attack. He's going to undermine. He's going to even mess things up. First John 2.14, though, says, I've written unto you fathers because you have known him that is from the beginning. I've written to you because you're saved. He goes on to say, I've written unto you young men, young people, because ye are strong and the word of God abideth in you. The word of God abideth in you. The word of God abideth in you. You are strong because the word of God abideth in you. Amen. And ye have overcome the wicked one. It's right here, folks. Oh, I want to encourage you. Also, another passage in 1 John 4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. I, I'm trying to tell you, if you're saved, you're on the winning side. And you can serve God, young person, in this old rotten world that it is. You can be strong in Jesus. You can have a job and still go to church. Amen. You can, you can still serve, and, and, and God will take care of you. You can be a witness. You can teach Sunday school. Hey, listen, you can, you can be faithful because there's a God in heaven. We have to look past the present discouragement. 
And again, I'm preaching to myself here. And we should ask God to help us instead of expecting the worst out of people, expect the best. I don't always do that. I guess what I'm saying is, and I'm done, is ask God to help you be optimistic. I'm not talking about overlooking the devices of Satan and making careless decisions. We have to balance these things with the Word of God. But I just want you to understand we have God on our side. We, listen, we are on the winning side, amen? And you might look at somebody and go, the way people used to look at me. Say, he got saved? Pfft. We'll see. He's called to preach? Pfft. We'll see. Now, don't get me wrong. I could fall flat on my face tomorrow. I'm just flesh and blood. But God sure has been good to me. And I want his will in my life. I'm going to ask you, if you will, to stand with every head bowed and every eye closed. Brother Brad is going to get us some invitational music. And I just want to have you come to this altar. We learned this morning that Jesus saw their faith. And come and pray. I would say dads, moms, you come pray for yourself first. Come pray for your loved ones, children, grandchildren. Just pray for proper vision, not only in your life, but theirs, a spiritual, biblical vision. And there might be some personal, not necessarily wicked, but somewhat carnal-driven goals in your life right now that you've maybe put way too high on the priority list. Just come and ask God to help you balance these things out. You know, parents, you know, what are we allowing? You know, I'll just end with this. What are we allowing to shape the lives of our children today? What kind of vision do you really want your children to have today? And a lot of that's going to depend on your vision right now. So, Father, we ask your blessing upon this invitation. I, I pray, dear God, that you would speak to hearts in a mighty and powerful way. Lord, I, I believe this is the type of message that revival is made out of. I believe, God, that if we'd really let this sink into our hearts, no matter our age today, um, Lord, I know that these things have convicted me, and there's so much more you know so much better i need to do in areas lord and it all has to do with me just yielding to you more lord i don't have it in me i have to just keep yielding and dying to self and father just uh living for you and so father help us i, I pray that prayer for each and every one of us here and certainly if there's someone here today that's not saved lord give them the courage to come and father well i'll get somebody just come get my attention and we'll get somebody lord we're not here to embarrass and and make a big show out of anything, but we'll get somebody to take the Word of God and show them how they, through faith, can accept Christ their Savior. And Father, there might be believers here that have strayed, have gotten away from God. Maybe they want to come. Just rededicate their life, renew their relationship with you, dear Lord. We certainly would encourage that as well. Lord, and help none of us to leave here today with any unfinished business. I hope we all leave here, including this preacher, different than we came in. What I mean by different is better. Father, help us. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus Christ's name we do pray. Amen and amen. The invitation is open. If God is speaking to your heart, you step out and come right now. The invitation's open. Don't hesitate another second. You step out and come. If you need to be saved this morning, you come get my attention. You come get my attention right now. And say, preacher, I, I need to be saved. Or, or if you are saved, say, preacher, I, would you just come pray for me? You know, I'll get somebody to pray for you. I'll pray for you. All right, we've got a young man right here. Brother Carr. Would you pray with this young man right here to your right, please, sir? Amen. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else? God's working on hearts. Won't you come? Come do business with him.
Hey, if your wife, your husband, your spouse is here, come on down here and pray. Amen. Come pray together. Say, God, help us. Help us. What's our priorities this morning? What is our vision? Where does God fit into all that? Are the decisions I'm making, are they going to draw me farther from God? Are they going to help me stay close to God? Very important. Very important. God wants to bless your life. He's not here to make things unhappy for you. He's not here to take away.